Good morning. Thank you. Uh, I just want to say I'm always excited and thankful for an opportunity uh, with Dave and Chad being out of town. I guess you're just kind of stuck with me, and I have the pulpit, and you're, you're mine, and I'm yours, so here we are. Um, but uh, we're going to be looking at James chapter 1, verses 19 through 25 this morning. So if you would please turn there. Uh, but before we, we get into it, um, let me just acknowledge um, this past week, I, I got whatever is, has been going around, the, the, the Pitt County crud, I think I've heard it called. Um, so if you would just, uh, just bear with me, um, hopefully my voice can, uh, uh, can, can with, withstand the beating that's about to take, you know, um, as we get through. So, so thank you in advance for, for, for bearing with me this morning. Uh, this year, we have been going through the four-part story of Scripture and how it's all unified, how it's one story that all points to Jesus Christ, how uh, there's creation, there's rebellion, there's fall, and then restoration. Well, the question that's before us this morning is, what does it look like to actually live out the four-part story? In other words, how can knowing that you have been created by God and for God, or how can knowing that you have rebelled against God, or how can knowing that uh, you have been redeemed by God in Jesus Christ, or how can knowing that, that Jesus Christ is going to return to restore all things, how can knowing these things shape and transform the way that we live? Well, James actually has something to say about this. And, and this is because James was the a brother of Jesus Christ, and he became the, the church leader uh, in Jerusalem. And uh, this was after Peter had left to go plant more churches. And he wrote this letter to Christians who were scattered about. And they were experiencing a lot of trials and turmoil in the, form of, uh, in the forms of famine, in the forms of poverty and persecution. And as if that wasn't enough, in the midst of all these things, they're also experiencing a lot of division within the church. And that they are actually, um, they are not putting their faith into practice. They're giving into worldliness. They were not living out the four-part story, which brings us to our passage this morning. So if you would, at this moment, give uh, your attention to the Word of God. This is what it says. James 1, chapter, 19, uh, or chapter 1, verses 19 through 25. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness or, or humility the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he was like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once uh, forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed 
in his doing. Now, if you would, let's pray for, for God's help as we prepare to just spend time in his word this morning. Our Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've set us aside for us to rest in who you are and what you've done and in what you've said. Thank you for the word that you've given us, O Lord, and we pray by your Holy Spirit, would you prepare our hearts to receive it? Would we be quick to hear your word this morning? Holy Spirit, would you point us to our desperate need for Jesus Christ as we, as we spend time in your word? It's all us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are two ways that I can get myself into trouble. And one of those ways is doing without hearing. The other way that, that I can get myself into trouble is to hear and not do. And if you're wondering what this might look like, um, if you're like me, maybe you've received something from maybe Ikea or something that you've had to assemble and you've been too impatient to actually take the time to read the instructions and you just figure that, oh, I'll just figure this out as we go along. And you move along and you get towards the end of the project only to find out that you missed a crucial step or that there's a piece that's missing that you did not pay attention to because you didn't take the time to actually hear, but you went ahead and did. In other words, you went and you were doing without hearing, or in this case, reading. Or on the flip side, maybe a lot of you have experienced this, where your parents are leaving the house to go run an errand. But before they leave, they leave you with some things to do around the house. And it might be, washing the dishes, it might be uh, vacuuming the floor, it might be folding the laundry. And as they're telling you these things, you just kind of nod and go, mm-hmm, yep, I'll get to them. Only to be a couple hours down the road, and then you look out the window and the car is driving up the driveway, you hear the garage door open, and then you look at the sink, and there are dishes still in the sink, you look at the floor, there's still clumps of dog hair. You look at the laundry basket, and it's still full of clothes that are not folded. And the question that your parents might say as they come into the house and they look around and see all these things, alongside maybe like, what were you doing this whole time, is, did you not hear what we said? Like, were you not, were you not listening? And maybe you could technically say, well, your voice projected throughout the room and the sound waves hit my ear, um, but you have nothing to show for it. In other words, you, you heard, but you didn't do. And when it comes to hearing God's word, we, we can be the same. We can do the same thing. We can either do without hearing or hear without doing. But here's the thing, we, we're called to do both. God's word needs to be heard and done. In other words, the four-part story needs to be leaned into so that we can live out of it. And so there are going to be three stops that we're going to take this morning as we work our way through this passage, and that is doing without hearing and then hearing without doing, and then our last stop will be the one who speaks and does. So let's, let's look at the first stop, doing without hearing. Notice that when James begins this 
section. He says, know this, my beloved brothers. In other words, what he's saying is, let's pause a moment. Let's pay attention to what I'm about to say. Take note of this, my beloved brothers and sisters, because this is important. I need you to hear this. And then he goes on to say, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. And at first glance, when you see these things, it may seem like just a wise proverb, a good way to just go about our horizontal relationships with one another. I mean, I would agree. It's a, it's a good thing that we are quick to hear one another, that we're not just uh, quick to speak, that we're not talking over one another, that we're not angry with one another. But when you read this uh, verse in its context, you see that there's something much bigger that, that James is pointing to here. If you look at verse 18, here's what James says. He says, of his own, or God's own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. See, we're, we're not supposed to just be quick to hear one another. Again, but the, those things are good. But we're called to hear and be quick to hear the word of truth. And now you might be asking, well, Eric, what, what is the word of truth? Well, the, the word of truth is it's Scripture. It's the Bible it's in, in, it's in, in its entirety. It's the four-part story. It's, we need to be quick to hear it and be ready to receive it. Whether it's this morning as we sit under the preaching of God's Word, whether it's in your, your Bible studies, your community groups, whether it's in your individual time in the Word as you study and meditate it, on it, we need to be quick to hear it and be receiving it by being slow to speak and slow to anger. And in turn, it should cause you, it should produce you being slow to speak and slow to anger. Now, if you would, let me, let me just take this uh, time to kind of do a side note here. Notice that James does not say never speak or never be angry. What he's saying is that there is wisdom in finding the right time to speak truth in love. That there are, there are, yeah, he's acknowledging that there are actually legitimate things to be angry about. We can be angry about injustice and atrocities that we see or things that have been done to us that, uh, or done to the loved ones that, that we know. We can be angry about how, the, how broken the world is and how broken we are but James is also acknowledging that, that sin is not far from, from our anger. And this is why he says that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. This is why Paul says in Ephesians 4, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not give opportunity to the devil. See, there's an inherent danger in harboring anger to the point where it boils over and where it festers and just causes a mess of things. So now that we've done that side note, James goes on to also say that we are to put off filthiness and rampant wickedness. In other words, we have moral evils that are deep-rooted within us, that reside in us. 
And he uses this word that's associated with, with taking off dirty or filthy clothes. It's like you've just been out in the rain playing in the mud, and you just gotta, you gotta shed those clothes. And that is the, the picture that he gives us. He gives us this image that God's people are, are to shed and to take off their filthiness and rampant wickedness and have nothing to do with it. But here's the thing. You're probably hearing these things and you're realizing there's, there's a problem here. And that is that if you're like me, you can have a tendency to be quick to speak, maybe quick to anger, and slow to hear, and you recognize that, that there are things that you're ashamed of, that there's, there's filth and rampant wickedness that, that resides in you that needs to be weeded out. Another way of putting this is that we can be doers and not hearers. And so let me just see what, what this might look like. Let's see what this might look like in ourselves. Have you ever tried to fix yourself? Maybe you felt the filth and have tried to shed it on your own. Maybe you tried to be better by doing better, only to realize that, that this is actually a really deep stain that you cannot get out on your own. Or maybe it's caused pride to rise up in you, making you think that you're better than other people. Or maybe you can't hear God's word because you're quick to speak and you're constantly speaking, not giving the word a chance to actually speak to you. And as you're sitting here, you're maybe not speaking out loud, but what's going on in, in your heart and in your mind? Maybe you hear something that, that is is difficult and hard, something that you don't agree with, and it cuts to your heart, and at that moment, you just turn on the mute button and just don't listen anymore. You don't want to hear it. Or maybe you've experienced legitimate wrongdoing and injustice, but your anger has led you down a path of bitterness toward God and others, and you've become slow to hear God's word. So the question for us this morning is, do you have a tendency to be slow to hear, to do, and to not hear? But here's the thing, being doers and not hearers is not only our only problem, we can also be hearers who don't do, which brings us to our second stop this morning, hearing without doing. Because if you've, if you've heard the word, then what should flow from hearing is doing. We're called to be hearers and doers. But again, we, we've got a problem. We have a tendency to hear and not do. And James gives us a picture of what hearing and not doing looks like. He says, it's like a person, it's a person who, hear, a person who hears and does not do is like someone who, who goes to a mirror, looks at it, sees what they are like, then goes away and then completely forgets. In ancient times, uh, mirrors were hard to come by and they weren't crisp and clear. They were very blurry. And so any glimpse that you got was, was a blurry glimpse and, and there wasn't many times in between those times that you would, you would get. And so it's like someone looking at the mirror. It's like you're looking at a mirror and you're walking away and you don't even remember what you look like. In other words, it's like 
you, you go to the mirror after lunch, and then you see you've got some Chick-fil-A sauce right here. And then you just walk away. And then you don't do anything about it. You don't wipe it off. You just keep going on about your day. You see yourself, you see what you look like, and then you neglect to do anything about what you've seen. And this is what James means when he says that you hear, but you don't do. You, and that when you do this, you're actually deceiving yourself. You're, you're lying to yourself. You're not being honest with yourself. So what can this look like for, for us? Well, maybe, maybe you're super knowledgeable about the Bible and about theology. Maybe you can list off all 66 books of the Bible Maybe you can name off the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew 1. Uh, and maybe um, if you're super theological, you know all the theological her heresies in church history. You know all the church fathers. You can name all of them. Or you go to church every Sunday. You go to Sunday school. You go to all the Bible studies. You listen to theological podcasts. And don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying these are bad things, but the question is, are you, allowing, are you allowing what you hear to show you what you actually look like and shape the way that you live? In other words, are these things not only filling up your head, but actually shaping your heart? Has the word shaped you into being a loving neighbor? Has the word shaped you into being a generous person, a person who's willing to give time, resources, and money freely and joyfully? Has the word worked humility into you and pushed pride out? Are you, has the word caused you to be gentle and not harsh? Or are you just deceiving yourself? Coming, sitting on the word, hearing it, and leaving unchanged, like a person who goes to a mirror, sees what he looks like, and then does nothing about what he sees. See, when you hear the word, it should transform you in such a way that it shapes the way that you live. The gap between, here's the thing, the gap between hearing and doing needs to be closed, but, but how do we do this? How do we close this gap? Well, this brings us to our last stop. We, we need to hear the one who speaks and does. So we've, our first stop was we tend to be doers and not hearers, and then our second stop was hearing and not doing, and then our last stop this morning, the one who speaks and does. Now, when you first read James, First of all, James is, he doesn't mince words. He's very, uh, he's very straightforward. And it can sound like he's calling ourselves to just, hey guys, just pull yourself up from your bootstraps. Become the type of people that God helps because you help yourselves. That's what it might sound like to us. But here's the thing, if you read James and if, if that's what you're coming away with, Maybe you haven't heard. Because here's what James is saying. You want to hear God's word and, and you want to do it? Then receive the implanted word and look to the law of liberty. 
In other words, hear the gospel in all of God's word. And so look at verses 21 and 25 with me. This is where he says this. He says, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. And then 25, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And you may have noticed that in the first two stops, we didn't touch on this. And that's because I wanted you to spend some time in the tension, realizing that there is a gap. There's a big gap between our hearing and our doing. That we can tend to be doers who don't hear, and that we can tend to be hearers who do not do. And that you, you realize that closing this gap is more than just looking within yourself or listening to your heart. That actually closing this gap means we need to look to something outside ourselves or to someone outside ourselves. See, when, when we see, receive the implanted word or look to the law of liberty, well, what do we hear or see? We see that God is the one who speaks and the one that does. Because throughout the four-part story, God reveals himself as a God who who doesn't only speak, but he actually acts. His speaking and actions are so closely tied together that when God says something, it's almost as if you're saying that he's doing something. And here's what this looks like in the four-part story. Is that in creation, he said, let there be light, and then there was light. It's at our rebellion when he promises that there would be a serpent crusher, And you fast forward to redemption and the word that became flesh crushed the serpent. It's the promise that we have, the hope that we have, that restoration is coming, that all things will be made new because of what God has promised. So what does this look like and what does this mean? Well, for one, this means that if you're in Christ, By God's grace and the Holy Spirit, the implanted word is taking root in your heart. So much so that the the weeds of, of filthiness and rampant wickedness are being crowded out and they have no more room to grow. And that the hold that they once had on your heart, they no it no longer has. To use the language of putting away or putting off and putting on, you've received royal and righteous robes that are white as snow to replace your filthy clothes. This is what God promised in Jeremiah 31 when he said that he would put his law within his people and that he would write his law upon their hearts. That when it seems like sin is too powerful to overcome, know that the implanted word has power to, to save your souls. In other words, sin in our hearts is real, but it does not get the last word in Jesus Christ. The second thing this means is that when you look into the law of liberty, you don't just glance at it, but you take a look and you see in And what you see in there is not a blurry image, but a perfect 
mirror. You see the one who perfectly heard and did. You see that Jesus had no gap in his hearing and his doing. And as Paul says in Philippians, he was obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So when you look into this mirror, when you look into the law of liberty, in light of who Jesus is, you see yourself as you are. You see that you don't have strength within yourself to do all that you have been called to do, but you also see that Jesus is the one who gives you the strength and supplies all that you need to do and act. You see that your old self has died with Christ on the cross and that you've been raised with him and that your life is hidden with him in God. You also see the hope that you have that one day your true self, the fullness of God, of who God made you to be, will actually be revealed. See, receiving the implanted word and looking into the law of liberty is it's hearing and reminding ourselves of the gospel. The truest thing that you can hear about yourself is what God says about you. And you can trust what he says about you because of what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ. So when you're reminded of who you are in Christ and the love he has shown you in Jesus by hearing and receiving it, then you can do. Lean into the four-part story so that you can live out of it. Now, we're coming up on Christmas season. I think at least all the stores say that we are because it's Halloween. But every year we watch uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. I don't know how many of you have, have seen that before. But there's a character in the Peanuts. Uh, his name is Linus. He's the one that carries around a baby blanket and he sucks on his thumb all the time. And uh, there's this point in a Charlie Brown Christmas where um, Charlie Grant Brown gets so fed up with all the superficial things that are happening around Christmas time. And he's just trying to figure out what is the meaning of Christmas. And he gets so frustrated. And then Linus finally says, Charlie Brown, I'll tell you what Christmas is about. And if you remember this, he goes out into the middle of the stage and the spotlight shines on him. And he's been having trouble reciting this line this, throughout this whole time. But then, perfectly, he starts reciting the, uh, the Christmas story where the angels appear to the shepherds in the field to announce Jesus. And he gets this part where, he, where the angel tells the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And you may have not noticed this, and you can look for this when you watch it back again, but there's this moment where when Linus says the words, fear not, he drops his blanket. And he says, fear not, fear not. In this moment, what Linus is doing is he's actually living out what he believes. At this moment, Linus is is. His earthly comfort is giving way to his heavenly comfort. He's living out what he is believing. What can this look like for, for you and, and for me? Well, as Dave has reminded us periodically, you no longer need to live out of deficit, but actually you could live into the fullness of what we've been given in Christ Jesus. You no longer need the approval of other people because 
You have all the approval and acceptance you could ever want. And it's all found in the embrace of the Father. This means that when you fail, when you fall short, you don't have to get defensive. You don't have to blame shift or run away and hide. You can actually own it. You can acknowledge it and repent. And even know that, that Jesus will not just save you from where you are. He's actually going to bring you along and help you grow. This means that you can forgive knowing that you've been forgiven. This means you don't have to despair about the state of the world because of the promise that we've been given in God who promises that Jesus will come and back and return and restore all things to make all, thing, all, sad, all that is sad come untrue. So as we wrap up our time together this morning, the question that we need to be asking ourselves is, do, do I do without hearing? Do I hear without doing? And if the answer is yes, and if, if you're honest with yourself, I, it probably is, just like myself, then hear and see who you are in Christ and that Christ lives in you. Lean into the four-part story so that you can actually live it out. This is what it means to be a hearer and a doer. Now, if you would, let me go ahead and pray for us. Um, Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've done through your son, Jesus Christ, who is the word, who's become flesh, who there was no gap between his hearing and his doing. He's perfectly obedient, obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross in our place, O oh Lord. And so, Holy Spirit, help continually remind us, point us to the fact that we are your children, that nothing can separate us from your love, and that these things, Father, we can cherish, we can hold on to, that we can hear and see, O oh Lord, that you've given us your son, Jesus Christ, and that you've made us new. Help us live into this reality. Help us live out the four-part story. It's all in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.